hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I'm so excited today to talk to Tina, and we're going to talk about some heavy topics today. Um including racism. And I just kind of want to point out at the beginning of this that we are two white women having this conversation. Um, And we're trying to have this conversation in a way that is bringing attention to issues that are in the world and in the MLM space. Um, We are not experts in this. I'm not trying to be an expert in racism. Um, by any means, but I do think it's an important conversation that we should be having and an uncomfortable conversation that we should be having. So we're going to try to have this conversation and hopefully it is helpful. And if anyone ever has any feedback for me um, about what we're talking about, please let me know. Um, Always open to that. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) All right. Did I get it all? (laughs) I think so. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) All right. Do you want to just start out with talking about your story? Yeah, yeah. So, hi, uh, I'm Tina. I am uh, a nurse and an esthetician, and I live uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, So, first of all, I want to thank you, Danielle, for uh, letting me come onto your podcast. Um, I have been consuming quite a bit of anti-MLM content for a while, um, and you know, I was a consultant with Beauty Counter for five years. Um, I actually uh, made it to the rank of director, which is kind of like middle, but entry level to what they call like their leadership. So in immersing myself in all of this anti-MLM content, um, I can say that my experience in multi-level marketing, I don't think it's been as bad as some of the other stories that I've heard from, from people, but I definitely have some very similar experiences and I'm just really happy to share those with you and your listeners. Um, I do notice that beauty counter seems to escape most of the spotlight. Um, and a part of my moving on, um, from that past is to share with others like my truth. Um, hopefully it will, uh, help people better understand, you know, why this business model truly is unethical. Um, So I was introduced to Beauty Counter in September of 2014 through a friend who messaged me about a new business she had started. Um, And I think that she had kind of reached out to me because I had been making posts about, you know, trying to live a bit, a little bit more of a natural type of life. Um, Been making my own like body butters. I had transitioned to 
quote unquote non-toxic deodorant, like all that kind of stuff. So I think it was an easy conversation starter for her. Um, and it's really weird because, you know, looking back, I was like, I don't feel like I was recruited per se, but when I go back and I read the messages, I mean, they were definitely like a, Hey girl kind of thing. Um, you know, she described her business, the company, the products, you know, using that kind of same MLM language. Um, and because I knew her and I trusted her, I was like, heck yeah, like, tell me more. I'm in. Um, I went onto their website, you know, it looked really nicely laid out. Um, I was really drawn to like their brand aesthetic. Um, nothing about it really signaled to me that it was anything but like, you know, some really nice products. Um, I had just so happened to be in the market for like a new face cleanser. So I bought one. I really liked it. Um, and I will say in all honesty, uh, I was actually using Cetaphil prior to buying this beauty counter cleanser. And I really knew nothing about, you know, taking care of my skin or skincare. Um, and that, you know, squeaky clean is not the desired result that you want after you wash your face. Um, so um, having that beauty counter cleanser was like a step up from the Cetaphil. So I just thought it was amazing. Um, and then I think I kind of ended up buying some other products, you know, really like them. Um, and just, I think it's what started me being really enamored with this brand. Um, looking at their products, reading about their mission, um, I kind of thought, I think I might, I might want to join and do this. It sounds fun, right? Um, and then also, I think I was just at a moment in my life where, you know, I was really unhappy in my nursing career. Um, I had been doing bedside. I think I'm going on my 21st year now. So 15 years of doing bedside. Um, I was really burnt out. I was looking for something that just felt like it had a little bit more meaning for me. Um, so totally was on board with their mission, which if you don't know their mission, it's, um, you know, getting safer products into the hands of everyone. Um, and, you know, again, kind of getting into my clean beauty um, lifestyle that I wanted to leave, um, or I wanted to lead, and just really wanting to share that with other people. So I reached out to her about becoming a consultant. Um, I was really hesitant about the sales part, because um, I, I think like everybody says, I'm not a salesperson. And then they proceed to tell you, oh, you don't have to be a salesperson. So, you know, I asked her, I said, how does this look for you? Like in reality, like how does being a salesperson, how does that work for you? And I mean, she was super positive about it. She was very much, you know, you know, lighting me up like, oh my God, you'd be so good at this. Like, this would be so easy for you, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, she walked me through like how to sign up, you know, purchasing a starter pack. Um, there wasn't really any much talk about recruiting or building a team at the time. So again, it, it just felt really legit to me. Like this would just be me selling things that I like, you know, getting the chance to educate others. So I joined, which is crazy because I grew up in a household that was very anti-MLM. My uncle did Amway and my dad was just like, don't ever fall for this kind of stuff. Um, but this just seems different, right? Like, so, um, so after that, I got added to like all these Facebook groups, which are consultants, you know, you get the opportunity to learn more, be a part of a community. Um, she had mentioned that her mentor, which ended up being like the ultimate upline, right? Um, was going to reach out to me. Um, apparently I didn't buy a starter kit when I first started. So it, it was like this kerfuffle that I apparently my mentor missed out on making, you know, I guess part of her. PV or BV, whatever you want to call it. So 
this person reached out to me and uh, she was very sweet, very personable, was always helpful and available. And I just was like, wow, you know, this, this just feels good. Um, so then they're like, oh, well, there's not really a sales quota. Um, what we have is personal volume. And basically with Beauty Counter, um, you need to sell at least $1,200 in personal volume in six months to remain an active consultant. And so personal volume could be stuff that I bought, like my own personal purchases, plus you know what I sold to consultants. So they're like, oh, it'll be so easy. Well, yeah, because I was buying the bulk of that, especially yeah. in the beginning, because, you know, you have to buy products for yourself to use. I mean, I was super excited. I wanted to try everything um, and then products that I could then give to people to try. So it, you know, it $1,200 happened pretty quickly. Um, so if you, if you don't, um, if you don't sell the 1200 in the six months, then they drop you down to the, what they call their band of beauty membership, which is kind of like their VIP program. Um, people could sign up just, you don't have to be a consultant, but it's just $29 a year. And it, it kind of gives you, they say perks, but I mean, the perks I think are like free shipping over a hundred, you get 10% off, you know, purchases, things like that. So it's kind of like their little VIP program. So you don't make the cuddles of cut as a consultant, then you get to be a band of beauty member. So it sounds, you know, sounds pretty decent. So um, yeah, I mean, in those first few months, you know, I really was excited. So obviously, you know, selling to friends and family, and you know, this is obviously what they call your warm market, um, which should be easy. But it just for me felt really hard. Because again, I'm not a salesperson. And contrary to what I was told and what MLMs tell people is you 1000% have to be a salesperson, right? Yeah. So, and, um, you mean you felt uncomfortable trying to scam your friends and family? That's yes. so weird that you felt uncomfortable doing that. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I think, you know, looking back, I'm like, girl, that was your gut. Like that's your gut telling you that something's not right with this. Um, because these products do not sell themselves. I mean, you have to get them into someone's hands and then you have to try to convince them why they are so much more amazing than what somebody is currently using. Um, and I know for me, the biggest thing was the price point. I'm like, why do these things cost so much money? Because for me as a consultant, I got a 25% discount, right? So I'm thinking, you know, I get a little bit of a discount here. That's not fine. That's okay. But I don't know, like I could just see people's eyes, like how much is this cleanser? <laughs> I'm like, I know, but it's so amazing. It's concentrated, you know, it'll last you months, like the whole spiel that they all say. Um, yeah, I think it was my gut going, girl, this is not okay. Um, so yeah, um, reaching out to friends and family, um, you burn through those people pretty quickly. Um, and then you're kind of uh, faced with your cold market, which, um, you know, when you sign up, they give you this 100 person contact list and you're supposed to write down like 100 people. I'm like, I don't know 100 people like I do, but I don't consider them somebody that I would approach about skincare. And I remember like some of the choices, some of the examples they would give you would be like, you know, your child's school bus driver, your butcher. It's like, I'm not going to go up to my butcher and be like, can I talk to you for a minute about your skincare? Like, just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Um, 
And I have reached out to individual friends and family to make an apology, but I will do a blanket apology here in case anybody missed it. Like, I am really sorry that if I pressured anybody, um, I have friends tell me that I didn't come off as pressuring, so that's good. Um, but I think kind of going back to that icky feeling that we have with this is, you know, assuming or relying on your friends and family to buy from you, um, it's not right. It's it's like you're commodifying your relationships, right? And a lot of your close friends and families, you know, they may not want to buy for you for many reasons, um, but they feel pressured or stuck because of that relationship that you have. And so, you know, fortunately, I never lost any friendships because of this, but I have, you know, heard so many stories. I know people yeah. firsthand who are like, I had to block her. And it's just, you know, we have to have boundaries <laughs> and it's okay to have boundaries. Absolutely. Friend or not, like you got to have your boundaries. So, um, yeah. So spending money on products, uh, spending money on, uh, they call them at the time socials. I think they now call them pop-ups, but like, these are basically in-home parties or online parties, that kind of stuff. But for me, you know, originally being from the South girl, I like to have a lovely little get together. So I of course wanted to get table decor, you know, accessories to showcase the products. I wanted to get food, flowers, like, you know, I just really wanted to make it feel special. And plus Beauty Counter gives off a very um, different aesthetic, right? So it's not like I'm just going to have like popcorn and nacho cheese, which is fine. But um, yeah, I just wanted to make it feel, you know, a little bit more special for people to, to come. So um Sounds I think expensive. I did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Um, so I did, I feel like I did okay with my sales um, in the beginning again, cause it was kind of new for everybody that I was talking to. Um, and again, like a huge roadblock, a, a huge roadblock was the price price mm -hmm. point. Um, and now that I'm kind of away from it, um, I mean, there are some nice products. Beauty Counter has some decent, nice products. I still use some of their makeup now just because I have a ton of it and I don't want to waste it. Yeah. Um, but looking back now on what I know, um, there's nothing special that special to, to warrant that kind of price. Like, that's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. You know, I talk to clients all the time and it's, it's about people's budget and um, yeah, just ingredient wise, what's in there is, is is not worth the price in my opinion. So, um, so yeah, just selling, trying to sell, being a part of these Facebook groups, um, which, you know, when you go on there, there's these links to all these like training calls, Google doc information, all this information, you know, how to host, how to sell, how to recruit. It's a bunch of like consultants coming in and, and asking all kinds of questions, um, to get, you know, um, answers from other consultants and what worked for you. And, it just became very overwhelming um, to try to keep up with all of that. And then um, shortly after that, um, I don't know if you know, there's a an app called Voxer that you can get on your phone. It's like a text to chat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so then we all started using that. And then they start adding you to all these like Voxer chats and all these groups. And it's just notifications left and right. Like finally, you just have to turn all that off because I'm like, I am sitting at my nursing job, like trying to do my stuff and my phone's just like blowing up. Like it's just, it's just too much. Um, and so um, <clears throat> with this like, you know, constant bombardment of information, um, once I kind of got a handle on it, 
I started to realize, I'm like, it's just the same information that's just being regurgitated like over and over and over again, you know, information being passed um, from consultant to consultant. And these people, I mean, I don't know that they have qualifications for sales or leadership, but they're placed in these higher ranking roles because they've managed to build a team. So with MLMs, recruiting a team or a downline automatically makes you a leader, um, but that's not how it works in corporate. I mean, usually people are placed in leadership roles because they have been, you know, they've proven themselves to to have those abilities to be, you know, a good leader. Um, And then, um, yeah, I mean, with all of these training calls, team calls, whatever, you know, you want to call them, a lot of it too was success stories from these consultants, um, you know, and you can be here too, if you just work hard enough. Um, I kept waiting to hear for somebody to reveal the magic sauce, like what the magic sauce was, like, how can I do this? And it just never really happened because I don't know that there is a magic sauce to this. Um, but I think maybe they do this because it feels familiar to us. Um, like this is what happens in most corporate jobs, right? Like you had team calls and trainings and things like that. So it feels very familiar in that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I was constantly like waiting for someone to go, this is how you make money. But it, it was never really like that. So yeah, and they're, the gatekeeping, like it feels yeah. like gatekeeping, but I don't think that there's ever actually a secret that they're holding back. Like, cause in Arbonne for me, they would have um, like calls for people like per rank. And I was like, oh, I really want to get on that area manager call. Like, it would mean so much if I was there. Like, there's, I'm missing out on that information. Mm -hmm. What information? Exactly. It's the same information. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So just with me selling, I don't know that I ever made it past like senior consultant, which is like the second, you know, rank up or whatever. Um, I don't know that I ever made more than a hundred dollars in profit. And that was, you know, me selling my, my bum off here. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you just find this pull where you're, you're working the business off and on because it is so time consuming. And, you know, I did have two other nursing jobs at the time. You know, I've also struggled and was struggling at the time with endometriosis and just, you know, dealing with all of that. And so um, kind of out of the blue, I had someone join under me. Um, it's a local woman. I, I didn't know her personally at the time. Apparently she found me on the company website as someone local in her area. And so we met up and she was like, do you mind if I sign up too? And I was like, I, I guess, I mean, what, I can't tell you, no, it's not my business. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so, not? Yeah. No, I know. Right. <laughs> and that's literally, I think the thought that went through my head was like, How, who am I to tell you? No, it's, I don't own this company. Right. So, yeah. um, so yeah, what's crazy is, so she signed up under me and then, cause she's just such a, a personable and wonderful, lovely human. She, I think wound up signing three or four people up almost immediately. So now all of a sudden I have a downline, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how any of this works. Um, but what I did notice um, basically with the next month's check is that a check somehow got a little larger <laughs> yeah. and I feel like, oh, I have more money now and I didn't have to work as hard. So that's interesting, right? Um, so yeah, so now I'm seeing, you know, a bit of a bump in my commission check. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna make this a business. Like I'm doing it, which I think we, everybody that's been in an MLM, I think I heard this 
today I was listening to one of your episodes where what they call it um, relaunching, right? Relaunching my business, right? So that's kind of felt like I was going to do. So in 2018, Beauty Counter had their leadership summit. And so my mentor reached out. She's like, hey, do you want to go? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So flew in, we were sharing a room. um, And, you know, the first day, you, you go into this big conference room and have all these like big old TVs that you can see everybody. And um, Greg Renfrew, who is the CEO and founder of Beauty Counter, she comes out. Um, and I remember I was kind of sitting in the back of the room and just kind of taking it all in. And I realized, you know, I'm sitting in this room of about 4,000, you know, what I considered like-minded women. Um, and just how amazing it felt to be a part of that. Like, hell yeah, look at us, we are on a mission. But then as I continued to look around, I realized, mm, geez, it's a heck of a lot of white women in here, you know, and I, I think I just assumed that there would be more diversity. Um, and then what's interesting um, is when Greg came out, she almost immediately started to discuss the same thing. You know, I remember her saying, you know, that she really wanted to see more women of color in the crowd, that she was going to take ownership for there not being enough diversity in the current crowd. And that she wanted to, you know, change that moving forward. And I remember thinking to myself, yes, like, this is what we need. Like, we need more of this. Um, And so as the saying goes, and like, when I got back, my husband's like, did you drink the Kool-Aid? I was like, yes, I did. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think looking, I think I looked that up the other day. I spent well over $1,000 to attend this leadership summit, um, you know, between the flight, the hotel, foods, drinks, swag. And other than coming away with a more emotional attachment to the brand, I'm not sure that I got anything else from it that I wasn't getting from these training calls or Voxer chats. Like um, one of the nice things was I got to meet ladies that were in my downline or my sideline, which I thought was really nice. I felt like I kind of came away with um, some new friends. Um, You know what I mean? So yeah. so yeah, when I got back home, I, I told, you know, my husband, I was like, I am going, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get real serious about this because I really think that, you know, we could make some good money doing this. Um, I was really proud to be a part of the company. Um, I was happy to be a part of something that felt really progressive. Um, so within a couple of months of me coming back um, from the summit, Beauty Counter, I, and I think this was their first time doing this, but they they launched this like recruiting, I don't want to call it a ploy, but like a, a recruiting marketing tactic, I guess, um, where they decreased the sign up cost to $50 versus I think it was 85 or 95 at the time. Um, and when I signed up, it, all I got was a flash drive of information, um, the website, yuck your website, and then brochures. Like that's what I got for 85 or $95. Um, they later changed it to include like two products, which I think was like a lipstick and I don't know, something else little, but at least you got some products with it. Um, so I decided, Hey, I'm going to post this on my social media. Like I'm going to be open about it. Um, and I almost immediately got three people who expressed, you know, three of my friends who expressed interest in wanting to join. Um, so we had conversations back and forth. Um, and then I think I ended up having like five people join my team over the next two months which really in MLM recruiting is not that impressive. Um, but again, the biggest thing I noticed was the money that I earned with just selling was now reaching $1,000 or more just from having this team. 
Um, and so, yeah, I hit the rank of director by the end of that summer. And I think uh, I was able to maintain it for like three consecutive months, which got me a really serious cash bonus, which I was excited about. Um, and I will say um, that last month, I'm not proud to tell everybody how I was able to hit that. But um, the first month, you know, it came out of nowhere because these recruits were signing up under me. So that was easy. Um, the second month, again, was mostly due to what these new recruits were purchasing on their own or selling to their friends and family. Um, but I did have to work a little bit to get that last little bit of you know, personal volume um, or business volume to, to get me to stay at director. And then the third month, I knew that I wasn't going to hit it. Um, and, you know, like I said, my warm market was already blown through. Um, at this point, I think I was reaching out to the same people like over and over again. And it was just so hard. Um, but I was introduced to buying ranks. Um, and so my upline, um, I think actually she placed like a large order under my name. And that helped me reach what I needed for that third month, um, which I think we all know, you know, I'm sure benefited her as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. And then I didn't know, I mean, I knew that that didn't feel right. Right. You're like, it just doesn't feel right. But then after hearing other people and like what happens like in other MLMs, I'm just like, this is just part of it. Like, I think this, there's so much pressure, you yeah. know, to, to hit those goals, especially when you've got a $2,000 cash bonus waiting for you. Like it, it makes you want to do things that, you know, aren't probably the best thing to do. So, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so wasn't able to stay consistently at the rank of director, but they still consider you a director. So you've got what's called like a paid as title, which is kind of how you're paid out on your commissions and then your recognized title. So I got to stay director, but, you know, recognized director. And I think there may have been times where I'd hit it, you know, for a month and then kind of come back down. It was all dependent on like what my downline was able to do. Um, but the other kind of fun thing is, I think you were talking about it earlier, like once you reach um, like director level with beauty counter, you get, um, you get to be a part of new conversations and new chats that involve higher ranked, mm. um, consultants. And so then you get to, to be on calls with corporate. So it starts to feel a little special. You feel like you've accomplished something. Um, you learn information that regular consultants don't have access to, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it does make you feel like you are working your way up in a company, right? Right. Um, what I noticed from it is there was, apparently that was a lot of what it was, was consultants reaching out, wanting to know what they should um, advise for these problems with clients or, you know, what can I sell to this person? And it just, I was just like, oh, I don't know if we're qualified to do that. I don't know. But anyway, so um, yeah, I think, you know, people should know that, again, these are consultants, you know, asking for advice, um, troubleshooting. Um, I personally feel now that, you know, I think we think of, you know, giving skincare advice is pretty benign because, hey, it's just skincare. But you know, I would say, please be mindful um, when taking any kind of advice, whether it's skin, skincare advice, health advice, wellness advice, um, 
just because you like skincare and you like makeup and you like a brand doesn't necessarily make you well-versed on how to advise other people on, on their skin. Um, and most of what consultants do is just regurgitate what the brand says, um, right. or they're reading, you know, Vogue articles, you know, allure magazines, that kind of stuff. And it's just like this generic information. A lot of it actually is even outdated. Um, so people who make, you know, skincare or nutrition or, you know, physical training, when you make that your profession, um, I think it just, it adds a little bit more uh, for a consumer to experience because you're getting the expertise, you're getting the knowledge base with it. Um, and you can save yourself a lot of time and money, um, maybe just going, you know, cutting out the middleman and going right, right to the top there. So um, I the, think the other, sorry, the other thing that I want to add to that too, is that like, it, not for nothing, your skin is the your largest organ yes. in your body. Like Nobody Absolutely. is taking advice on what heart supplements to take from an MLM or, well, I guess they're probably, well, they do, that. <laughs> but like, you know, they do. Yeah. I think that you definitely take a second thought about like, you know, what do you, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm like saying these things and I'm like, oh wait, uh, I was going to say like, <laughs> oh, like I'm not going to take a liver supplement from my, an MLM, but then they're like, oh, take this detox tea that's going to flush out your liver. Right. Like, oh, so right. never mind, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, you think a little bit more about like what you're right. doing, where you're getting your advice and like, yeah. what do these people like, what's the motive behind these products? It's to make money. It's not to help you. Right. And I feel like, um, and even at the time before I became an esthetician, you know, you'd have a client that would be like, oh, you know, I think I have dry skin or, you know, whatever it is. I've never seen this person before. I'm not equipped to say whether their skin is dry. Maybe their skin is dehydrated. Actually, it's, not, it's not dry. It's dehydrated. Um, you know, they think they have blackheads when actually that's not what that is. It's sebaceous filaments. Like there's a lot more to it than just you know, saying this is my skin type and what product, products would you recommend? I know like when I'm in the treatment room, I am looking and touching, like I'm using my senses to gather more information about what's going on. So I don't know. I just think with skin, I think we think it's just a benign kind of thing or, it's, oh, you know, no big deal. It's just skincare, but you're right. It is an organ um, and we should treat it accordingly. Um, give it as much care as we would our heart, our liver, our lungs, like whatever. So um, yeah, it's, it's wild what people will, don't even get me started on the detox thing. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I found troublesome was, um, there wasn't anything negative that was allowed to be posted, uh, like about products or reactions. So, um, I had, an experience with one of uh, one of the girls in my downline. She was going to post about when her clients having a an allergic reaction or some sort of negative reaction to one of the products. So she was just going to you know put it out there and try to get some advice. And it was like it wasn't even allowed to be posted. And then we had um, some of the higher ups come through in a boxer chat that said you know we're not going to be approving these posts because we don't want. Um, you know, the lower level consultants to, to feel negative or to be swayed about the brand or the product. So it was then going to fall on that person's 
direct upline to reach out to them personally and try to navigate what might be going on with their client. And so now that I am better versed in how MLMs work, I'm like, gee, that sounds a lot like the bite model. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where you have information control or, you know, we don't talk negative about things because that might open your eyes up to other things. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely information control. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, like in 2018, um, I noticed that Beautycon was really starting to push the recruiting narrative, which they, I never really felt like they were doing that before. Um, but it was, you know, coming out with things like the business opportunity is the best product we have. And I was like, is it though? Because the more people that do this, the more saturated the market becomes. And then it just, it feels like it would make it a lot harder to, to sell. So um, like I said, recruiting, the thought of recruiting always made me uncomfortable. Um, and so I think this is where I started to fall out of love um, with Beauty Counter. And in uh, 2019, I started aesthetic school. And by the end of that next year, I had graduated. I passed my state boards. I had a job lined up. Um, you know, and having gone to school and actually learning about the skin, um, learning about products, ingredients, um, I, I quickly knew that these would not be products that I would necessarily recommend to clients. Um, and I just felt like I needed to kind of get out of this somehow, but I don't know. I just felt so tied to it. Um, I felt like I would be letting like my downline down. I felt like I'd be missing out on something which is really weird. Um, and then 2019, I also kind of went looking for information. So I found, you know, what I feel is the start of my anti-MLM deep dive. Um, so started following some creators. And I think mostly because I wanted to find validation that Beauty Counter was not the same. Um, but what I found out was while they may not be as heinous in their behaviors as some others, um, it's the business model and it's the same no matter what the company is, right? So um, that turn that didn't quite go where I thought it was going to go. Um, yeah, and then, you know, March 2020, I mean, COVID happened. So <laughs> like the rest of the world, I had quite a bit of downtime. Um, and I started to really have this renewed sense of pride in, in nursing in my career because I was seeing all of my peers. I was seeing the healthcare profession just get hammered. Yeah. Um, and so I started to get back to my roots of science, really trying to understand this virus, like what, you know, what were we going to do to be able to get ourselves out of this? How could we protect our community? That kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I had been very much team clean beauty but when I started reconnecting with science and science creators, um, it allowed me to kind of brush off my critical thinking skills. And I started to see that, you know, clean beauty brands definitely cherry pick their data. Um, they use fear as a marketing tactic. And, you know, basically the environmental working group is a sham, <laughs> which is, you know, what a lot of beauty counter kind of, that's where they steer their consultants to tell people, oh, consult with the EWG. Well, EWG is, is not a reliable source. I'm here to tell you. I'm, I'm sorry if people feel that way. Um, and, you know, and I just, I can't recommend enough um, to diversify your social media, like follow experts. Um, I started following cosmetic chemists, toxicologists, virologists, epidemiologists, all that kind of stuff, because 
they're actually really less biased than you think. Like I, I think we've been led to believe that there's this agenda that people yeah. have and these people don't, their only agenda is to get information out, right. Um, to kind of allow you to think for yourself, but without some sort of bias. So I really started to pivot, you know, really kind of away um, from that clean beauty narrative. So, um, okay. So yeah. And then the summer happened, um, basically witnessed something very, very awful, um, the murder of George Floyd. Um, and then it just, you know, everyone's social media kind of went black. Um, we were being, you know, asked to show support and uh, solidarity with uh, our friends there in the black community. So in June of 2020, um, I became aware of an article that came out on Medium, and it was an anonymous source um, that alleged um, some racism that was going on in Beauty Counter um, in the corporate level. Um, it's public, it's out there. Um, and this author you know, alleges that they experienced and witnessed racism at the corporate level and were basically calling on Beauty Counter to make it right. Um, I remember when I was reading this article, at first I was actually in shock and I immediately got like defensive because I was like, this isn't, this isn't the company that I know, right? Right. Um, a company that's very proud to claim, you know, that they're working to get safer products into the hands of everyone, you know, quick to point out, you know, that women of color are disproportionately affected by chemical exposures. Like that's true. Um, so I kind of just assumed and I, I waited um, for Greg or for the corporate offices to come to us as consultants to make a statement to address it. And unfortunately, they never did. Um, you know, they had posted their black square, they posted on their social media that they were going to start doing some, you know, DEI training, um, you know, that they were committed to doing better, but no real response on this article. Um, I know that they were aware of it. Um, and so, I think I had told you earlier, like the saying, you know, silence speaks volumes. Like I was just like the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months. I was like, are you kidding me? Like right now, are you kidding me? Um, you know, this is the time where we were being asked to be allies um, and there's silence from this brand and many others. I mean, there were many others. Yes. And I think it comes from a fear of, of getting political, but despite what people may think beauty brands you know they think you shouldn't get into politics like you should just do makeup or you should just do skincare but the reality is beauty is political um you know our current beauty standards are steeped in white supremacy um the beauty industry instills an emotional response they feed off of women's insecurities and fears um and then you have this clean beauty narrative um that really does appeal and work for white affluent women and I recognize that I am one of those and I have I benefit from that fact um but poor demographics which are often minorities you know they don't have access to clean beauty and they're the ones that are more likely to be affected by chemical and environmental exposure which beauty counter is absolutely right when they say that but then they go and create products that are really overpriced and don't include like a diverse shade range so I yeah. just found it to be very hypocritical. Um, and, you know, we could say this about organic food, right? Like 
to demonize food that's not organic, you say it's less nutritious, you say it's less healthy, but it costs so much more. Like, I can't imagine being a mom, like just trying to feed your family and feeling like shite, you know, because you can't feed them organic because it's out of your budget um, to feel shame for that. Like, that's not okay. Um, so yeah, the article came out and it, it was like the final straw for me. I, I could no longer in good conscience support a company or a CEO who, A, if this was true, behaves like this or B, refuses to own up to it um, or even address it. Um, I, I just really feel like this could have been a real movement, like a real opportunity to face the ugliness and the shortcomings head on yeah. to make amends and be better and it didn't happen. So then my question became, how are you any better? As a company, how are you any better? And the answer is, I don't think they are, <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Yeah. And then it just got worse. Like I have screenshots of people that, you know, after the article came out, they went onto beauty counters, Instagram, asking them address this article, please. Like, what is your answer to this? They later deleted those comments, which is not okay. That's um, terrible. That is terrible. Um, I found out through another consultant and now granted, this is all hearsay. This is, you know, I, I don't have this on confirmation, but you know, that, Greg basically wasn't going to address it. Um, I had heard that she was going to leave it up to the managing directors to discuss it with their downlines if they wanted to. Like, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, this is your company. It should be you. This should be coming from you, not from your managing directors. Um, Especially because the, the article specifically said that they experienced racism in the corporate office. The corporate office. Like, exactly. I mean, obviously there is issues with racism within multi-level marketing and like the systems that it works in general. Um, but also like that was specifically addressed to right. corporate and they exactly. didn't acknowledge it. And they didn't address it. Yeah. Just, I can't, I can't, I still can't believe it. Um, so, yeah, and I guess, um, you know, I had heard that the company had already lost some consultants because they felt like Beauty Counter wasn't speaking out enough, which is kind of where I felt like I was falling into that category. Like, I, mm -hmm. I really wanted them to do more. Um, and, you know, my personal opinion as to why Greg didn't address it is, I think, because the bulk of Beauty Counter consultants tend to be conservative leaning white women. Um, and I, I think that there's just a fear, right? There's just a fear of addressing some of this uncomfortableness. Um, and again, having people that don't want to mix beauty and politics. Um, so it's easier just to stay silent about it, just to let it die down, let the dust settle, and then you just move on as if nothing ever happened. Um, I also know, and I have screenshots, um, one of the managing directors is a very avid and active QAnon supporter, um, constantly on her page, wearing her QAnon attire, spouting outlandish conspiracy theories while promoting Beauty Counter. Um, I know she's not the only one. And, you know, Danielle, can I just point out the hypocrisy again of a brand that's going to spout off about science and public health, but then allow someone their, their um, independent contractor to push 
extremely anti-science conspiracy theories. Like I, I just don't yeah. understand. <laughs> She's and representing your brand. Is that what you want your brand to be known for? Like, I don't think so. It's again, cherry picking what you want to have there. And it's exactly. just so interesting to me. And that is actually a really good point that you bring up because I don't, I know you've listened to uh, most of the podcast, if not all of it at this point, mm-hmm. but like, there's a theme throughout here of QAnon coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, especially re- recently um and a lot of these MLMs are talking about how they're clean and they're scientifically tested and da 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 and it, it like they make it sound like it's so good but then at the same time they're pushing like anti not science things exactly and exactly again holding hands with people that are doing QAnon like it's just so <laughs> confusing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I'll bring up like a specific example. And this is something that just really bothered me a lot when I started to see the cherry picking, right? So Clean Beauty, you know, Beauty Counter has a line um, of products for, and it contains Bacuchiol, which is like mm-hmm. the botanical extract. They're claiming that it's a better alternative to retinol because not everybody can handle retinol. And so this has less side effects. Um, So again, this is a company that talks about safety. They say that this ingredient is absolutely safe for pregnant and breastfeeding women, yet there are zero studies that support this, okay? Because we don't run tests like this on pregnant women. It's not ethical, we don't do it. We just would assume and we take caution, like we're extra cautious with stuff like that. So. I know, you know, I spoke up one time about this on a Voxer thread. Uh, there was a consultant, you know, that had a client that was pregnant and wanted to know, you know, if it was safe for her to use Bacuchiol. And of course, they're all parroting, you know, the brand. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely safe. You know, Beauty Counter doesn't make products without keeping in mind the safety of pregnant women. So I spoke up and I was like, you know, maybe this person should have this conversation with her doctor, <laughs> right? Not like, I don't know, not you, a doctor, like an actual person who knows, you know, a little bit more about this because you're getting this information from the brand. Of course, they're going to say what they want to say because they want to sell the product. And so I even like linked an article from like a GYN saying that she would not in good conscience recommend Bacuccio because we just don't have enough safety data on it. And it was like crickets on that thread. Like nobody responded back to me. I was just like, okay, well, I guess I've been marked as that kind of person but again like hypocritical you're going to say Bacuchiol is safe but there's there's no safety data for it so cherry picking right there you right. know and um, again so I think that another thing that I see a lot in your story is like the the tunnel vision you know and mm-hmm. like the information control but also like the unwillingness to be open to other like right. information that could like that information could help you because mm-hmm. I'm I would be more open to trust somebody that says hey like you know I, I don't know this probably isn't right. a good thing for you to use but you know this this product it, I feel very confident in telling you that you mm-hmm. can use while you're pregnant or like whatever like I would much much rather I think that's what right. <laughs> words? I don't know. Um, I'm much more inclined to trust somebody who's going to be honest about whatever right. they're saying. So right. I don't know. 
I guess, you know, you can only do what you can do, but. Right. Yeah. And it literally was like, I could just tell they were just like crickets. And then it's like the conversation moved on to something else. I was like, well, okay, I guess I've been labeled that person now. Um, I do want to say when you talked about like the anti-science, if you follow the EcoWell, um, so Jen is a cosmetic chemist. Her Instagram account is EcoWell and she has so much good um, information and she actually has a post and she makes posts about clean beauty as an anti-science movement. And so great, like great place to kind of uh, dive a little bit further into that. And I know when I first saw that, I kind of took offense to it. I was like, that's harsh. But then you read it and you're like, yeah, makes sense. Makes absolute sense. So yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I you know, I knew that about that. I never thought about that. Like I thought about how like clean, clean quote unquote clean products Mm -hmm. are uh, greenwash. Like I've thought about that. I know right. that, that happens. I've like not really put a ton of time into thinking about it in the beauty industry, but like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really once, I think once you take the rose colored glasses off, you're like, man, yeah, this, I can see this. Absolutely. I can see it. And this, we're just inundated, I think, with just all this really, really bad information. Um, so it's it's unfortunate, but it's like um, they're using these buzzwords that like sound really good, but now because they're using all of these words, it's lost their meaning. So right. nobody knows what's actually like clean because yeah, everything is clean or not clean, and right. now we don't know what actually clean is. <laughs> Right, exactly. And there's, I mean, every brand has their own version, like their own definition of it. And you're just like, okay. Yeah, yeah, just crazy. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, so wanted to get out. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want my name associated with this company anymore. Um, I had to let my upline know. And I don't know why, but I was like super nervous about it. And um, I mean, she's never been anything but like nice to me, but I was just like, "Ah," I was just really afraid to talk to her. Um, and so I think we did it over like a phone call. Um, and I just, you know, basically said that I I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I brought up the above mentioned reasons why, and, you know, we talked about some things, but I knew it wasn't going to change anything. Um, so I was like, you know, how do I do this? Do I submit my resignation to corporate? Do I, you know, how do I do this? And she said, just like, send her an email, not corporate. Um, and that she would pass it on to like her person and that I should say, you know, per our conversation, I no longer wanted to sell beauty counters. So I did that. Um, and then a few days later, I got an email from corporate saying that because I didn't meet my personal volume requirement, I was going to be dropped down to a band of beauty member. And I was like, I definitely met my $1,200 PV. So I'm not sure what that meant. Um, I don't, I don't know if it means that, you know, she wanted to do it this way. So she didn't lose my downline. Like, I don't know how that works. Um, You know, I know she had mentioned to me in the past um, that she wasn't really available for mentoring people in her downline that didn't make her money. So I don't know, like, and I'm out of everything. So I I don't know how to follow up on that. But, um, you know, it's something that I think I'd like to ask Beauty Counter and maybe the same for other MLMs is, you know, why is there this lack of transparency 
with the income disclosure. So, you know, if you're really a legit business model, then, you know, I'll use one of Beauty Counter's keywords here, then be transparent about who is actually an active consultant, who is a Band of Beauty member, so that we can have a better understanding of who is actually making money. But maybe they don't want people to know. I mean, I'm assuming there's a reason why. Um, I guess if we had a better understanding, then we would all see it for the sham that it is. So, um, yeah. And I think now that I'm out, um, I think, yeah, it's been, I'm going on a year now. So I've been able to kind of process the experience. I think I've managed to move through the feelings of anger that I had. Um, you know, I really felt like I was duped. Um, I was very disappointed, not only in Beauty Counter, but myself for getting involved. I felt embarrassed. Um, you know, I really take like extreme pride in both of my professions. Um, you know, people trust me, trust the professions. And I just felt like I betrayed that trust. So I've, I've been feeling like I've been trying to work on getting that back with people. Um, you know, I also worked been working through like feelings of sadness because all of those like friends that I thought I made, I mean, they basically ghosted me. <laughs> um, I, you know, I had all this love bombing in the beginning, like they would all compliment me on, you know, oh my gosh, you're so knowledgeable about skin and skincare. You know, you're so passionate, you're so smart. You know, they were quick to send me messages, you know, what advice can I tell my client about this? And then it's like, I quit and it's like, they've like muted me. I think some of them unfollowed me and you know, that, that hurts. I mean, it really does. Uh, Cause I feel like, you know, my knowledge base is still there. I can still be helpful. I'm just not going to recommend the product that you happen to sell. Like there's nothing personal about that. Like I just, it's how I feel. So, um, you know, whether I made money, whether I lost money, I'm pretty sure I lost money. Um, I don't even know if I broke even honestly over the, over the five years I was I was in there, but um, I see now, you know, I was very much in a cult. This is a very, very cult-like organization. Um, becoming familiar with the bite model, you know, what gaslighting, love bombing, logical fallacies, like all that kind of stuff. You guys are, are so good about putting this information out here um, and helping people like me who, you know, I feel like I was just gonna sit in my shame for a while. Um, and just pretend like I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to admit that I, I had been scammed into this. Um, I'm just glad that I didn't lose more, right? That I got out when I did. So um, I would say if there are consultants listening to this now, um, really, if you, if you can find it in you to read Robert Fitzpatrick's Ponzi-nomics and actually learn the history you know, the workings of this business model, because I truly feel like if you read this, um, I don't know that you could continue to be a part um, of MLMs or support them. I mean, it's all there in black and white. And then, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, listen to the podcast that he was on with Roberta Blevins. I mean, so fascinating. I mean, my husband listened to it. He was just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I know. I was like, babe, that was me. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't believe it, you know? But I do, I do want to say like my time with Beauty Counter was not all bad. Um, you know, I definitely learned what I will never do again. Um, but it also, you know, it led me to taking the leap to start my second career, which is aesthetics. Um, I love skin. I've loved skin for a long time. 
And being a part of BB Counter like really solidified that for me. So if anything, I can take that away and say it wasn't all bad. You know, I, I was able to come out of it doing this now and I'm, I'm super, super jazzed. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, and I think that I want to kind of go back to the reset something a little bit more too. Um, is just like, and not just racism, racism, but like any sort of social injustice, like if you are seeing that in your MLM, Mm -hmm. like actions speak louder than words, like remember that when they're doing things. And if you see something like, and you're just seeing a little piece of whatever it is, there's probably something a lot bigger underneath that. And, um, listen to your gut and like, do you really want to be associated with a business that is doing that? I mean, I I guess there is a lot of things that you could say about a lot of other businesses, but I feel like multi-level marketing, I mean, it's just bad on so many levels. So if you're in one and you're seeing some sort of social injustice happening, like how is this not your, not the final straw for you? Like, right. It's just right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we all know, you know, Amazon is not the best company either. And once you know that, I feel like once you know that about a company, then it becomes your decision on whether or not you want to continue to support this company. And for some people, if they want to, I mean, that's on them, but you know, they say, and I heard this a lot with beauty counter, they say, vote with your dollars, right? Like vote your, your dollar counts is a vote that you're casting. Well then again, you know, not, we can't say that this isn't political because if I'm voting with my dollars, then I want to vote and put my dollars into companies or brands that truly are for everybody um, and that are trying to do something good and not just doing it for performative reasons. Yes. Um, and once you know better, then you can buy better, you know, you can do right. better. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. I I lost my train of thought on that one, but (laughs) I really thank you for bringing these really like tough conversations uh, up. And I do have an episode coming up. um, Fingers crossed it happens this weekend uh, where we're going to have a deeper conversation about uh, racism and the MLM. So I'm excited to have that conversation here um, or continue the conversation here. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Danielle. This was this was good. Yeah, I've I've been wanting to talk for a while, um, and I'm glad that um, you gave me this opportunity. I'm glad that I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling to talk. I'm glad that you came on. I know that you were a little nervous, but you did great. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone, if you want to be on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at from hunts to humans or my email at from hunts to humans at gmail.com. Um, also, please remember to keep reporting um, to the FTC when you see things that are not good, income disclosures, medical claims, all that stuff. Like we need to get these people out of here and you can't just rely on creators to report for you we need the numbers behind the reports to make anything happen so all right everyone have a great night thank you